listening to the Living Room North Living Room North podcast. My name is Lauren, if we haven't met yet, and I am really excited to be here with you tonight as we are starting off this brand new series called Hustle and Flow, where we are going to be talking about godliness uh, and godly living for the next few weeks. We're going to be looking at Second Peter, which is really cool, um, and so we're going to be in this series for a few weeks. So I say that because tonight, if you leave and you're like, I still have some questions, that's okay. That's the point. So uh, I'm here this week. My friend Heath is here next week, and then Ryan will be here the third week, which is really exciting. But before we get into that, I have a question for everyone in the room. Was there a movie that you watched as a child that was low-key, like, traumatizing for you? Yes. Yes. What were they? The Lovely Bones. You watched that as a kid? Whoa. Uh, what were ones someone... What? What? Polar Express. Yes. That's a good one. Uh, anyone else? Yes. What was it? Jurassic Park. That is scary as a child. Uh, yes. Snow White? Lorelei. Yes. I'm going to get my ears checked uh, after tonight, so that's where I'll be tomorrow. Uh, anyone else? I am legend as a child. Oh, yeah, at nine, that is scary. (laughs) Um, Someone earlier said cars, which I thought was really funny. Uh, And I've thought about it all day long and how, yeah, that actually is really scary. Like your car could just turn into a person kind of thing anytime it wanted to. Uh, I'll be thinking about that on my way home. But uh, some movies for me were Fox and the Hound, I was sobbing so much at four years old that my mom just turned it off. She was like, this isn't good for anybody. And I think at four, I was like, is this what grief is like? Like, that movie is so sad. Um, The scene in Spy Kids with the thumbs. (laughs) Who thought that was a good idea? Hated looking at that. And really, I mean, the movie that when I think back on my childhood and I think I could have done without this movie um, is The Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers. (laughs) No. This movie, uh, I think I was about 10 when it came out, and I remember watching it and thinking, should I be a film critic? Because I know this is a bad movie. And all the critics agreed with me. This is the Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, I remember when Cats came out a few years ago, you know, with Taylor Swift and Jason Derulo, and everyone's like, oh, the animation is so bad in this movie. I was like, you haven't seen Cat in the Hat, if you think those cats are scary, because this cat uh, was traumatizing for me. So just a few scenes that really stood out to me. And actually, to prepare for this, I went back and watched some clips on YouTube, and it was worse than I remembered, uh, and I wish I hadn't done that. But... Some scenes that stuck out to me uh, was the scene where there was two of them, because what's worse than one? Uh, Or the scene where he tried to kill beans from even Stevens with a baseball bat. I didn't like that. But nothing to me will top when these two entered the scene. I know they're children, but I hate them. Like, I just really dislike them. I don't like their brand. I don't like the whole vibe. Uh, They come in and they just make a mess, and I'm like, why? Uh, 
Who birthed you? Like, what are they? Why do you live in a box? Why do you look like this at the Universal Studios ride? Um, <laughs> that's a jump scare if you've never been on that ride. They just come out of the wall and it's like, ooh, whoa. Uh, and that's a child's ride at Universal. Five minute wait every time. But I just don't like them. I don't like looking about at them. <laughs> they were probably really nice kids. Um, I, I doubt they've acted since then, but... <laughs> anyway, I hate their guts. So, I, <laughs> you're probably wondering, <laughs> why are we talking about this? And honestly, same. Uh, I've just always wanted to give a TED Talk on that movie. So, I'm going to pray, and you're going to head to... No, I'm kidding. Um, what if that was it? I was like, I just wanted a chance to talk about... Uh, I have counseling tomorrow, so I'll talk about that there. <laughs> Don't take it off the screen. Um, <laughs> but the reason why I wanted to talk about this, it genuinely is my, like, I hate that movie. I did not make any of that up. I really dislike it. But uh, thinking of godliness, I heard someone say that to grow in godliness, there has to be a thing one and a thing two. So I was immediately out because I was like, I don't... I don't hang out with thing one and thing two. Um, but then the more I read uh, uh, the quote, really he went on to say, if you want to grow in godliness, you need thing one and thing two. And thing one is God and thing two is you. And really you need both of those. You need you and God working together in order to grow in godliness. And I guess if I had to say one endearing thing about thing one and thing two from the Cat and Hat movies is that they were always together. I mean, they're never apart. They are attached to the hip. They live in the same box. You can't have one without the other or what's the point of calling them things? And so when we think about growing in godliness, it really does take us working with God in order to grow. So if you're like me and you're sitting here, and you're thinking, you know, if I could just get a quick definition on the word godliness, not for me, but for my friend, um, that's okay. That's what I did when I got this talk. I was like, let me just make sure I'm talking about the right thing. Uh, but this is how we're going to define it over the next few weeks. Godliness is the awareness of God's sovereignty over every aspect of life and the determination to honor him in one's attitude and actions. So godliness is trusting God's sovereignty over every area of your life, and trying your best to honor him with your attitude and your actions. So your words, your thoughts, your actions, all of that, we try our best to honor God in everything we do. That is how we're gonna define godliness. But let me be very clear that godliness is not perfection. And godliness is not trying to be God. I think sometimes we confuse godliness with perfection. Because if the goal is trying to be like God and Jesus was perfect, then the goal of godliness must be perfection. But it's not. But it's easy to think that, well, the goal of godliness would be to never make a mistake and never mess up and never think a bad thing and never say a bad word and just be perfect in everything I do. But that is not the goal of godliness. 
And it's also not saying that we need to be God. God is God, and God's got that. We don't need to be God. But how I like to think about godliness is that it is me trying my best every single day to take on the character of God through my actions, and through my words, and through my attitude. And let me just be very clear that I do not do a good job of that all the time. But godly living is trusting God and doing our best to honor him, not seeking perfection. And that is where that thing one and thing two analogy really come into play because if we pursue godliness without God, just as thing two, just as us, then what we're doing is really seeking perfection and playing a game of performance. And when we try to pursue godliness without God, that's when it can feel like striving and it can feel like work and it can feel like we're just doing this for ourselves because we are. But if you try to pursue godliness without you and just expect that God will help you live a godly life without you doing anything, well, that's not gonna work either because it takes you actually being a part of the process and growing in godliness that is what's gonna bring a godly life to you. And so we have to have God and we have to have us working with God in order to pursue godliness or else we're just chasing perfection, performance, and maybe even a little bit of self-righteousness. And so all throughout scripture, you will see the word godliness, godly living. You will see it throughout scripture. Really, you could say the whole Bible is just a book on how to live a godly life. But really in the New Testament, you see it a lot, especially in Paul's letters. He writes to Titus, or his letter, Titus um, mentions it a lot. And then his letter to Timothy really talks about godliness um, a good bit, which you can check out for yourself. But one of the things he says to Timothy is that the goal of the believer should be to live a peaceful and quiet life in godliness and holiness. So the goal of the believer should be living a life of godliness. That is what Paul says to Timothy. And so if that's true, if that is, if you consider yourself a believer, a follower of Jesus, if that's true and that is our goal, then it's really important that we take it seriously and that we know how to start living this godly life. And so we're going to look at a verse tonight that is pretty clear with how we can begin to do that. And it's in 2 Peter chapter 1. This is what it says. He says, his divine power, God, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So what he's saying is through God's divine power, he has given us everything we need to live a godly life through knowing him. Now, that's not just knowing Jesus was a person. It's, you know, the difference of me saying, like, I know Harry Styles, and I know Harry Styles, which would be amazing, but I don't, um, sadly. So what he's saying here is that because you know Jesus, because you have a relationship with him, you have access to everything you need to live a godly life. You don't have to earn anything. 
You don't have to strive to get something. There's not different levels to it. No, but because you simply know Jesus, you have access to everything you need. This is how the message uh, version says it. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God, a godly life, has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God, the best invitation we ever received. So because we know Jesus personally and intimately, we have everything we need in order to pursue godliness. And so what's true is that godliness begins with a relationship with Christ. That's it. And really that should be freeing. That's all it takes. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus for a certain amount of years. You don't have to work at a church. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to uh, invite 10 people to church. You don't have to do anything in order to pursue godliness. It simply begins with a relationship with Christ. But the question is, at least for me, is why bother? Because if God is gonna love me, regardless of my mistakes and my flaws, if he's still gonna love me, then why bother living a godly life? Why bother trying to honor him with my life? And why bother thinking through uh, what's the wise thing to do and what's the helpful thing to do and what's the kind thing to do? Why not just be selfish and do my own thing? Because God's gonna love me regardless. And that's true. Is that God will love you amidst all your mistakes and all your flaws and all your decisions. There's nothing you could do that would cause him to love you less or to change his mind about you. But if we have everything we need to have access to a life that is not only honoring to God and pleasing to God, but it is filled with intimacy with Christ and come spiritual maturity. If we have everything we need to access that, why wouldn't we? But we have the choice. We could choose to not and we could stay put and God's gonna love us. But here's what's true is that yes, God loves you exactly where you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. He loves you too much to let you miss out on the growth and the spiritual maturity that can come from pursuing a life of godliness. He loves you too much. And that's where sanctification and righteousness and holiness and all that comes into play. He's not gonna love you more, but he knows that pursuing a godly life is only gonna bring you good things. Not, easy, not an easy life, but it's gonna bring you more growth than you could ever imagine. So why don't we? Why do we choose to not pursue godliness or to not even think about it, to not pay any attention to how our decisions impact the people around us, to not think through, am I honoring God with my words? Am I honoring God with my thoughts? Am I honoring God with my actions? Am I truly trusting him? Why do we choose to not do that? Well, if I'm being honest, there are times in my life where I choose to not pursue growth, to not pursue 
godliness? Because if I'm being honest, I'm scared to know what he might tell me. I'm scared to know where he might lead me. What if he leads me somewhere I don't want to go? What if he tells me something I don't want to hear? What if he guides me somewhere that I would rather just not even deal with? And so I avoid him. And I think, you know what, I'm just going to take a little break. And we'll get through this season. And then I'll come back when that whole thing's over. And we'll move on. Because I'm scared that he might reveal something to me that I'd rather just not know. Or maybe there's times in our lives where it's just fun to be selfish and that seems to be working. So why care? Why bother? Why change? I like my life. I like the decisions I get to make and what I do and I don't care about how it impacts the people around me. Why does it matter? But down the road, it's going to because our actions catch up to us. And eventually life will change. And we're going to wish we had the growth that could come from those years. Or maybe you hear the word godliness and that feels incredibly traditional and honestly just like a lot of rules. It feels like it's probably restricting. Like it's just full of rules and, things of, and full of things that we just can't do and that we have to avoid and we just have to follow every single rule in the Bible and there's a lot of those and I don't want to do that and it just feels tethering, it feels restricting, and no one wants that. And we think, man, living that life and following all those rules, that feels like it's actually going to hold me back from what I want to do. That feels like I'm going to be tied down to something that I don't know if I want to be tied down to. But in reality, what holds us back in life is us. And what holds us back in life is sin. That's what's restricting. We think that if it's just up to us and we get to do whatever we want to do, that that is life. That's the goal. But you see, what godliness actually brings is freedom. But that doesn't feel like that would make sense because it feels like rules on top of rules and restrictions and I just want to live my life. But there's no freedom in sin. And when it's up to us making our own decisions, we're actually holding ourselves back sometimes when we're not pursuing a godly life, when we're not trusting God with our lives, when we're not trying to honor him, when we're not trying to grow, when we're not trying to learn from him. We're holding ourselves back. We're missing out. And not only does godliness bring freedom, because it brings, what, the freedom it brings is the ability to say no to sin, the freedom to trust God, to trust that he has our best interests in mind, the freedom to grow and to learn. And not only that, but godliness, godly living, it can bring spiritual maturity if you've been following Jesus for five minutes, you know that just because you follow Jesus doesn't make your life easy. It doesn't make life a breeze. But when we pursue godliness, what comes from it is spiritual maturity and growth that's going to set us up better for life's wins and losses. 
for whatever we face, we're gonna be set up well because we have decided to invest time into growing and that has brought us spiritual maturity and growth. Godliness brings a healthy reflection of the gospel to the people around us. You know people who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but the way they act, if that's a reflection of their Christ, I don't wanna know their Christ. I'm not interested in that. Because they're not, well, I don't know their personal life, so this is an exception, but they're probably not pursuing godliness. They might be pursuing something else. But when we pursue godliness, and again, we continue to grow, and we build that spiritual maturity, and we learn more about the nature of God, we learn more about the character of God and who he is, all it does is it actually helps us be a healthier representation of the gospel to the people around us. And so when we think, well, my decisions don't impact the people around us, they actually do. And when we decide we're gonna pursue godliness and we're gonna pursue growth, that impacts the people around you a lot. Because they might be looking to you. They might be looking to you for who is this God? What is he like? And they might look at you to tell them. And if we're not pursuing godliness, if we're not pursuing growth, we unfortunately might give them an unhealthy reflection of the gospel. And so there's a lot on the line. But something else that godliness brings is joy. Because we get to know Jesus personally and intimately. And we are known by Jesus personally and intimately. And to be known on that level brings such a deep joy that isn't based on the people around us, that isn't based on our emotions. The joy comes from being known by God and knowing God well. And so those are just a few things that pursuing godliness can bring us. And next week, we're going to jump into the practical side of it, of what does this actually look like? How do I actually pursue godliness on a day-to-day -day basis? And so, like I said, if you're leaving with questions, that's great. Come back. And we're going to continue to answer those over the next couple weeks. But tonight, we're going to go to small group. And if you're in a small group, we're going to talk about this some. And I challenge you to just be honest with, hey, am I pursuing godliness right now? If it's no, that's okay. And for the people in your small group, I hope they respond with encouragement and safety and trust because that's what we want these small groups to be, safe spaces. But let's start with honesty and let's try to grow together. Imagine how different your life would be, your campus would be, your home would be, if we all decided to take this seriously, and if we all decided that, hey, starting today, I'm gonna take godliness seriously, and I'm gonna pursue growth in spiritual maturity, I think it would make a huge difference.